It seems like as humans we are obsessed with defining ourselves. Identities have quickly become labels and vice versa. But the way I see it, human beings are much more complex, ever evolving and at times contradictory. My name is Sadia Khan. I'm fascinated by our relationship to our identities and different stories we are creating around them. I explore all of these dynamics on my podcast Immigrantly. We drop new episodes every Tuesday. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Blethered. I'm Sean McDonald and my guest is personal trainer and ex-professional rugby player Ben John. Ben was a professional rugby player before serious head injuries forced him to retire and completely rethink his entire life and career. We talk about the difficulties that come with that and how life doesn't always go as you'd imagined. Sometimes you can be severely rerouted, but it's not always a stop sign, it's usually just a diversion. Ben is now a brilliant PT at the Manor Gym in London and he tells me about their approach to fitness and mental well-being and how they combine the two for maximum impact on themselves and their clients. I've trained with Ben a few times and it's an unbelievable experience so if you're looking to get fit in a first class environment I can't recommend the Manor highly enough. They've got four gyms across London with the one at London Victoria being their HQ. Every single person working there is a diamond and you'll take more than just physical improvement from training there. As always, the conversation continues over on Flick Chat. so if you want to join the 230 people that are already in there and discussing the topics featured on Blethered, just check the episode notes for the link to join or else just give me a shout and I'll send you it directly. If you enjoy this episode or Blethered in general, feel free to share it with somebody who you think might enjoy it as well. Because it always helps. Cheers. So hello and welcome to another episode of Blethered and I'm joined by the big man who I've just been raving about, Ben. Mate, thank you very much for joining. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I was I would say thanks for that PT session, but I don't want to thank you for that, mate. <laughs> and, but I will admit that... Um, I did about a quarter of it, and then I had to lie down because I thought I was going to spew. Although, fair play to Gordon, how fit is he, by the Yeah, the last, uh, was that, three months, he's come on so well. Yeah, uh, absolutely puts me to shame. And every time he'll say, like, ah, oh, no, I'm going to struggle, and then he just flies through it. Well, <laughs> yeah. well I'm getting, like, 40% of it done. <laughs> uh, we'll chat about the gym, first of all. Um, by the way, if you're in London and you're looking for a PT, this is a place to come. Uh, so it's the, the Manor, I'll let you explain, the Manor Gym. Yeah, Manor Gym. So we've got a mothership, which is, that's what we call it, it's our biggest gym, um, and that is in Victoria. So we've got uh, boxing, we've got um, strength and conditioning, as well as we have a garage at the back, which we've got a car park at the back, which we transformed into a gym. Yeah. And we base a lot of that uh, on mental health. So mental health is on the forefront of that. Um, and then with that then we have three or four studios around London and they're all situated in the office group buildings mm-hmm. and they do have samples of our our sessions our classes um, and that is from fitness to boxing to um, like explosive movements and then volume which is just introducing weightlifting to uh, general population yeah. 
So, I mean, you mentioned about mental health kind of being at the forefront. Like, how how did, how is that incorporated into the gym environment? Um, so, the one downstairs, the MCP, we call it, that's in the car park where their mental health is the main uh, driver of the sessions. And that is, um, that is from literally not allowed any phones because the industry at the moment is all about filming exactly what you do and so you yeah, yeah. take phones out of it so you're just there and you're just thinking about what the job is in the hand of you um, number two then is the sessions are really tough and we take you to a place where you want to give up um, and they are seriously hard um, mentally as well as like the conditioning classes are tough but yeah. afterwards they kind of the people who come kind of get over that hill and they feel yeah, they feel as if they've accomplished something. I like if I, I came in this morning, like again, I came in late, and the last time I was in as well, kind of loads of stuff flying about my head phone, check messages, and then you leave the phone, and within five, I remember the first, the last one, I was like spewing within five minutes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, and, like, and by the way, if you're anybody's listening, you think oh, I just sound really unfit, I challenge you to come here and try it. It is in a good way, it's absolutely horrendous. Um, but you come out and your mind is like totally, mm. completely still. Uh, do, do you find that it's ever like a therapy session at times, like chatting about stuff? Yeah, I think a lot of people use it as therapy because there's so, so much stress and so much, um, well, so many things that takes your mind off the task in hand um, in London. And even though exercise is a stress, we use it as a place to... Mm-hmm. Um, People so they can just be free and concentrate on yeah. exactly what they want and we do speak about it beforehand um, and we do do a lot of talks as well regarding mental health Magic so in terms of then your personal story because it's very interesting and while I know a chunk of it I don't know all of it so if you take us back to sort of early life and then I suppose get into rugby and then where that kind of went just for, for people listening Yeah so I started uh, rugby so I went to um, I got into the academy at 16 so Osprey's Academy which is a team in Wales in Swansea I got to them at age of 16 um, going through the academy 17, 18, 19 uh, played for Wales in the 20s um, all the way through uh, and then after in the 20s then I went to senior so I played my first game uh, for senior Osprey's at 18 um, and then soon as I came out of the under 20s uh, we went to the World Cup came back and then I got injured I was injured then for about 8 months something like that and then I got back to playing again and then I got injured again uh, straight away um, and yeah I got back to playing I wasn't in the same place I was um, before injury it was kind of just taking over getting through the motions yeah. I went through the motions um, and then a few years on I was just um yeah, just turning up the training type of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I got loaned out to a team, uh, Dragons, who are another professional team in Wales. And then I feel as if I got back into playing. I found the lover again and I set my goals. I rethought what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's kind of a realization of what am I doing? I'm just taking over here. I'm not yeah, yeah. reaching my potential. Um, and then I felt that move to the Dragons was like a um, start of the fire again. And yeah, yeah. After that, then I started. I went back to the Ospreys and I started playing well. I was starting to be a regular in the team. Um, so I played 13, which is centre and wing. Um, 
supposed to be a fast person on the wing, but right. I used to chuck my eggs. I was tall. <laughs> uh, I used to catch all the high balls. Um, but yeah, I felt as if I was in a really good place. Um, and then as I started getting to a, getting close to maybe a Welsh call-up, something like that, I, I would get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it came to a point then where I had knocked to the head, uh, concussion, and I didn't say anything about it because I thought, right, I've got a few months now. If I keep playing well as I was beforehand, yeah. I, I'll have a chance to play. Uh, hopefully I'll get picked up because it was a summer tour. Um, they go to Tonga and they usually take players that aren't the first team players just to give them an opportunity and um, I thought right that's my target it's in four months time if I keep playing or three months time I'll keep playing I can get through it and hopefully get picked Um, so yeah I didn't say anything about concussion this is towards the end must have been about 25 26 years old about two years ago Mm. Uh, yeah didn't say anything Um, and then I had another knock to the head Again, I didn't really say anything. Uh, I was on the bench one game. I came off the bench, started running, and my vision started going really blurry. Um, and I just thought at the end of the game, I was like, what am I doing? Mm. This is getting it's getting scary now, getting quite bad. Like my vision is going when my heart rate was going up. Yeah, that's scary. Um, and I, well, I went back into the change room, saw the physio, and I kind of broke down and just told him, look, I've had this for a while, and it's my own fault, and... It's getting, getting to a point where it's quite scary and that. Yeah. Is like did you feel obviously for the love of the sport and wanting to be picked to for the national <coughs> squad is completely understandable. Was there also an element of this is what you've always done and it's what you're expected to do? Like cause I spoke to a, a young footballer and he kinda felt that there was such a pressure on him from a young age. Like did you feel any of that pressure or expectation? Um when I kind of went away to the Dragons and came back and felt right this is my goal now I've kind of I felt as if I wasted mm. the best years like my 23 to 25 just going through the motions um, I felt right this is all this is what I wanted as a kid yeah, and I, yeah. I did put a lot of pressure and it's kind of strange I kind of my health didn't really matter mm. all it was was my goal and my goal was to play for Wales and I kind of disregarded my health just yeah. so I can um, reach what I wanted I kind of get that though in the sense that you're disregarding your health but you probably did not expect your vision to go blurry or that to be happening with your heart rate when when that happens do you start to realise because it's such a cliche in it but your health is your wealth if you yeah. don't have that you don't have anything yeah like was it so was it that point that you just had that realisation of basically fuck this like I'll do myself real damage I think I realised that when mostly because my performance went down um, that game I made what I made a mistake and I th- well they scored and we, we did end up losing the game um, and I thought shit I'm not only am I not playing well I'm kind of throwing the boys under the bus as well yeah, impacting the team impacting the team and I thought this is not good for anyone um, I, so I think I think it took that for me to realise obviously the vision wasn't great but beforehand I was having headaches and stuff yeah. so I was I did realise the well, at the time, I probably didn't because I was thinking about my goal. But looking back now, I understood that I kind of just went through it just so yeah. trying to be selfish with my own goal rather than my health and thinking about other things. Yeah, it's, it's understandable. Like, there is... 
I suppose our nobility and then realising once it's impacting others mm. like I can I can get why you would kind of push yourself to that so did you then take the decision just to retire like you had to call it a day yeah so I went to see specialists and it took me about I think it took me about so I didn't get um, it took me six months I had six months out so I missed that opportunity to play for Wales um but the thing is, if I look back, if I would have said early on, I might have only been out for two or three months, I'm not yeah. sure. But I just didn't want to miss that rugby. But I, yeah, I took six months out, saw all the specialists and doctors, and they just said, right, it's just, we need recovery time is the best healing for um, your head. Uh, changed my diet a little bit, trying to get more um, fatty foods, like omega-3s in. Right, okay, yeah. Because uh, it helps with inflammation. Mm-hmm. Just trying everything, really. Um, I even started doing eye training. I saw eye specialists, um, and I started training my eyes just to try and get my vision sharper again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, six months out, uh, and then I decided to come back and give it another go. So I came back around summertime, but I had to take—I couldn't do contact during the week. Um, so I did do um, a lot of tackle technique changes so I get my head out of the way right okay uh, and I yeah I came back so I played three games and then I knocked my head again and that was just a freak accident my head hit someone's hip actually oh. hit someone's hip um, actually yeah that one it was in South Africa and it was down to my tackle technique so mm. I was put my head in the wrong position so all the repetition I've done get my head out of the way Yeah, it was a reaction tackle and I got into the wrong place got knocked out um, and after that I was in a I was in a like bad place first of all because I was in South Africa Yeah, and it was a long journey home and second of all I thought that was it I've had my second con- or third concussion within small space and I've already had six months so I thought that was it mm-hmm. and I kind of thought shit I'm really got anything to fall back on properly like yeah. I've got qualifications but I didn't have a actual line I wanted to go down yeah, um, yeah. so that then I got back from South Africa saw a doctor again he was like right it wasn't a big concussion we give you another few months out and we can get you back and mm-hmm. we'll do all the training again and um, we see how you go all depends on how you feel and I was like yeah I'll give it another shot um and that was two months out came back Christmas time had one game got through that fine and then the second game then he was on he was on Boxing Day I went up for a high ball so I jumped up in the air somebody took my legs up and I came down and hit my head on the floor and then that was that was the last one then and it took me um, I went to see the doctor and he said look it's totally up to you what do you want to do yeah Um, and I said I'll take a year out um, my contract was up in the summer so that was covering me for the next couple of months and I thought right, I need to get away and yeah. if I fully recover because I know if I stayed in the environment I'd have struggled because I'd have been around the boys I wanted to come back so I thought I'd get away I think people don't realise you just kind of forget the the physical strain that's put on sports people because mm. um, you'd look at it as a rugby player or a footballer and you think living the dream it just looks like great fun but you're putting yourself in the firing line like you're mm. now more and more I suppose my focus is on football but even we talk about players heading the ball yeah. and now like way later on in life 
like players are starting to develop Alzheimer's or like memory issues or sort of um, just cerebral sort of issues. Uh, but also, I think people don't realise then the mental strain and impact that must put on you. Like constantly having to keep coming back, going through the same process. That that stress and sort of, as you say, not knowing right what what path am I going to go down? I mean, does that then become, as you say, a dark place? Like, it, how how do you even begin to process that and and like come through that? Yeah. Um... Yeah, that last year of my career, I, I was yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all. It was very tough, not only on me, on my family as well. Um, and yeah, it was um, the yeah. It, it, the, the main thing was kind of realizing how important it is to talk as well. Because um, after the first one, where I didn't say anything, I went to see my uh, coach, and he just said, "I just want to tell you, first of all." What he did is stupid, but he said he was really brave. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, oh, I must have been, he must be saying I'm brave because I, I dug in, I didn't say anything. I, but he was like, no, you're brave because you you actually realised and you started speaking about it. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, I, kind of like everything I thought brave was, kind of just realised in one word, it's not that at all. It's actually yeah. speaking, speaking out. And it's kind of, that's where I, kind of going it's quite similar to mental health as well it's just speaking up makes a huge difference as soon as I spoke about it I kind of felt relief then because I spoke to my family as well and yeah. I said look I might have to retire because well in essence I was stupid mm. about keeping it in um, didn't, didn't respect my health um, yeah so it was kind of a wake up call to myself Is your mattress making noises it never used to? Or is it sagging, causing you to... Then it's time to get a new one. Get the best sleep at the best value with a Nectar mattress. Prices start at just $499, and you get $399 in accessories thrown in, a 365-night home trial, and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. It's um, like as you say, like speaking up. It's not. It is really brave, um, especially in that environment. Mm. Like things are changing now, and like society, like things are changing rapidly. Even twelve months ago, I think the whole it's the whole landscape of general life is so different in the way that everybody is just. I feel like it's been a landslide where everybody's yeah. like, "Oh, wait a minute," and you know, people are talking about things. But to be in that environment, which is tough and, and if anybody who likely hasn't seen Ben is six foot five fucking massive and looks like he can fight really well like everybody in your environment is like that this tough macho environment so it is I would say even more of an example of bravery to be able to to, to do that and speak up I mean like I personally if I'm ever have it going on in my head and I've, I get more st- Dressed and worked up because everybody. Oh, how how do I even put it? See, everybody's just. I'm trying to choose my words. Say I'm stressed and I really want somebody to ask me, "Are you all right?" Yeah. I have to talk about it. But everybody's being normal and I start snapping at people because yeah. I'm like, "Why don't you know?" And then like, if I then speak up and be like, "By the way, I'm kind of struggling. I'm having a tough time." Mm. 
you just feel like it's just this weight off the chest yeah. and then people know and then they adapt to their behaviour a wee bit or the, the way they interact with you and then before you know it you're close to getting a, a resolution for whatever that, that, that thing is I mean did you find that then once you spoke up other people maybe did the same or did anybody also say uh, me as well yeah because when I started speaking about it um, a couple of the boys came up to me and just said oh actually that's something I've had as well I've had those like uh, visions and headaches and stuff Um, because there was a point where I was playing on a Saturday I'd have a headache all the way to Thursday I'd have one day of fine I felt good and then it'd start again because I'd play again and just going through I kind of lost as well what normal felt like because mm-hmm. I remember um, having that going through that period, and then I got in, I got injured. Um, I think I had a hernia repair, which got me out for four weeks. And then in that four weeks, then I had no headaches, and I thought to myself, oh, "Shit, this is actually what normal feels like." Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it is. Yeah. When, when as soon as I started speaking about it, one or two guys said, "Oh shit, yeah, actually, I need to be a bit more careful." Because yeah. it is slippery slope if you just stay quiet and not only with it's a little bit easier for concussion because you can't see it it's yeah. easy to hide away whereas if I had a broken wrist it's obviously clear as day yeah. what's the matter with it um, so that's how it was a bit easier to hide concussion is, is huge at the moment and the more people speak up about it the more they can recover quickly and as you said it's later in life that's what the effects that's what as soon as I moved away from rugby and I was in a uh, working environment I realised shit I'm going to be working when I'm 50 and I yeah. at the moment my concentration like like two minutes minute I'm not very I wasn't very good at the time I'd lose concentration like that uh-huh. um, even patterns I used to struggle with lined anything with lines on the floor I, it would make me dizzy and nauseous and I was like shit this is this is serious this is serious uh, yeah because yeah. like, yeah. yeah you'll, you'll live for a long time yeah. you can't be you can't be having that little weight yeah, and I finished when I was 27 I was thinking shit I got another I got a good old way to go, and and those rats keep raising the pension age as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's probably even more than you think because another twenty years ago, oh, by the way, you get your pension when you're a hundred. So, did you? Was it just a natural progression for you to come into like working as a PT? Yeah. um, So after the South Africa knockout, which was, I think it was around about an October time, um, I thought to myself, "Shit, I'm got. If I have, or if I have to retire." What do I do? And then I saw the doctor. He said, "You got one more. Give it another go." Um, and in that period, then I was like, "Right, what's the best way for me to like think of a job after rugby?" And I, I was big into my uh, fitness, and so I started doing my qualifications in the college Neath, which is next to our training ground. Um, so I did that. I did a fast track, got that done, um, and I started helping then with the academy, with uh, strength and conditioning, with the academy, just assisting and just getting help from that and I then as well took my evenings to do um, Welsh netball so I helped out with them right, and I was, I was sick so I was, get, I was getting prepared within that six six months I did yeah, quite yeah. a bit um, and then as soon as I found out I was going to retire at least I had something I, I, I was passionate about mm-hmm. so we kind of needed something to wake me up so that like at, at that point it's so like such a decisive period you could have went I suppose down a darker route in the mm-hmm. sense of not knowing what you're going to do so that's good you had that to to focus on did you did you then just decide I'm going to come to London like how did that go, come about uh, so all in that year I retired or well took a year out 
Um, I was getting married in June and my contract was up in June. So I thought, right, what do I do? My wife, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. She lives in London. So she's been in London for about five, six years. Oh, right, okay. So I thought the easiest thing to do is just move straight into a flat. I yeah. didn't have to pay or I just give her a bit of money. Magic. <laughs> yeah, a bit of money. Um, and PT in Wales is not good at all. Um, and I've heard that London is good for PT. Um, yeah. So I moved straight up. And I was lucky that I, uh, Christy, she's from Pataba, so that's my wife now. She had a f- relative in London, which is Ryan, who's downstairs, a fellow Welshman. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the big, big, ugly man. Yeah, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> is that the guy who had the, t- the T-shirt and you were saying it was a kid's T-shirt? That's it, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I spoke to him and he said, come and meet Charlie, who's the owner of Manor. Yeah. Um, so I met Charlie and after that chat I messaged him and said I'd love to work for you I was blown away by what he was about and his values yeah. and they matched up to everything I believe that, that, that's what I mean I've never been in a place like this because it's not just the gym it's like the community aspect of it and everybody chatting and for what is like such a testosterone fueled like masculine environment everybody's so kind of the opposite of what you would expect on that surface and you always see I like when you see people chatting and even when we like doing doing uh, obviously only doing a couple of gym sessions but just kind of chatting about stuff and you kind of realise like, oh this is a kind of therapy without anybody trying to make it such mm-hmm. a, it, so it's a very unique a very unique place um, you know, like have you had have you had any periods where your like say your mental health has has gone up and down since you've kind of been here or has it been plain sailing or what? Uh, yeah, so when I was taking my year out, I saw the rugby representation of Wales, and he said to me, he was like, "Look, um, when September comes, there's a new season, and people aren't going to remember you because it's the next season." Yeah. So that is the period where people start getting uh, like players start getting down and mm-hmm. um, mental health starts um, well it starts you being a bit more aware about your mental health um, and I thought to myself no that's not, not going to happen to me mm-hmm. um, so yeah I literally because I had no pay I had no time to think I went straight into PT yeah. I went full into that um, and it came around October time um, when I still wasn't uh, recovering and I thought this could be the end type of thing Mm-hmm. Um, and at that period as well even though I spoke up about uh, concussion to my coach I still wasn't really talking about my emotions which I'm not very good at at all yeah. I just used to just well I probably still do a lot of I still bury them down um, and then we started off a, a campaign here Strong Not Silent and as you mentioned we're a lot of like macho type of guys so in the gym we have like two ex-professional boxers two MMA um, one Mai Tai rugby player world's fucking most intimidating yeah. environment yeah. <laughs> so um, there's um, yeah, some tough tough guys here but every Friday we used to have a team meeting and at the time it was just all men working we didn't have um, ladies working there it was just a small unit it was about 6-7 of us mm-hmm. and we used to just spend um, two minutes each saying what was good about the week and what was bad about the week yeah. um, and then first of all hearing everyone talking about their problems and how they're feeling and real life problems just made me start speaking about it more mm-hmm. um, and from from that then I, I kind of started talking about it and it helped so much just realising these as you said these macho guys around me are 
opening up and start speaking about it, it kind of invited me to open up and yeah. I felt that helped helped a lot and I still wasn't great at it so I decided myself to at the back end of the Strong No Silent campaign which was um, which was MANA uh, working with Calm um, Charity and what we did is go in uh, we had invited um, as I said big macho guys talking about their feelings and mm-hmm. different things they've overcome mental health wise like we had Carl Jason Fox in he yeah. had a big chat about his mental health with um, ASAS LISBS um, so we had big uh, chats about those before them and then at the end of the fourth one we had a boxing match right. uh, it was all the members just uh, doing like a white collar fighting right, right. That, was, that was cool um, and at the back end of that I was inspired by everyone talking Yeah. and the w- one thing I'm not very good at is talking in public about my emotions so I started my own like I call it Let's Talk Tuesday on my Instagram so every Tuesday I would just talk about my transition and how I'm feeling and yeah, how yeah. not only my perspective but my missus' perspective as well because she gets it all yeah it's, it's a shared experience isn't it and a shared, mm. perspe- a shared perspective because if you're very obviously close to somebody you live in each other's pockets they're also going to be impacted by that I feel like when when people speak up or one person speaks Everybody else kind of goes, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And you realise it's like we're, like we're all in the same boat and we may have different variations of the same issue. Some are some are big, some are small, but they still impact you. Yeah. Um, and it's just that that being being open and being honest it makes it makes such a difference. Um, that's, that's, that's magic I didn't know you did the Let's Talk Tuesday that's quite cool do you still do that? yeah um, I finished last three weeks but yeah I started off just talking about I just felt as if well my uh, Christy you mentioned it to me um, that I was getting aggressive and I just couldn't understand why mm-hmm. um, like I was training I was starting to talk a little bit more yeah. but I was just getting really aggressive and it was mostly towards her because she was the one I'd let my steam off in the, yeah, in the evening yeah. when I saw her. So I started speaking about it on social media and then some of the ex-rugby boys started messaging me uh, saying it's probably like their, their ways of how they felt with them, they, it was similar to them. And I kind of, it's, I, I've worked it out as my rugby was my form of expressing myself, yeah. my anger or my however I was feeling, if I was feeling happy, sad, whatever I expressed on the pitch mm-hmm. and that was taken away from me so I had nothing to express my emotions yeah, and, in terms of that and because I'm not very good at talking Aye. I didn't have an outlet mm-hmm. and my outlet was just Christy because I know what she, yeah, she was there so I just kind of get she asked me to do the dishes I'd be like no, 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 no it wasn't rugby tackle yeah, like, it, was, it wasn't it wasn't me, like it was just little things like that like yeah, household yeah. things I was just getting really aggressive about yeah. Um, but yeah since doing less talk to you I felt it helped me a lot because I'm not comfortable at talking about emotions and this yeah, yeah putting myself out there and people uh, exp- like saying their um, their experiences as well and it's helped quite a bit yeah I, I still kind of struggle with that as well and I think I'm quite good at being expressive mm. but at times it is hard and it, like I feel like I would like to sometimes I feel like it's something that wants to burst out my mouth but just keep my mouth shut mm. sometimes and it, it doesn't help because you're, you're locking it in I think if you don't feel great in any sense like let's just say I had the flu like I wouldn't 
hesitate to tell someone I had the flu, but yeah, yeah. You know, if mentally I had a bit of a cold, sometimes you don't want to say anything. Yeah. And, and even though we all, everything I've known, experiences I've had, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to come across as, as being negative or whatever. But mm-hmm. then on the flip side, and then the reality is, if I ever mention it, people are always great. And then you kind of, I'm always like, ah, fuck, why did I not just do that? Yeah. Do that last time. And then people will go, I, I felt like that a few days ago. There's like a shared solidarity and realising like, this is normal. Like I, I always kind of make this comparison or this analogy. I say like, you'll rarely find anybody who goes through a calendar year without having so much as a cold mm. or, I don't know, a throat infection, ear infection or whatever. And it's, you know, it's the same mentally. If you're, your brain is far more powerful, far more sensitive and far more intricate than your fucking, I don't know, your immune system in terms of physically. So it's, it's, it's going to end up under the weather. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, and probably, yeah, even just talking about it, you probably think, as you said, you don't want to lay that negativity on someone. Uh, but yeah, it's not everyone, everyone feels up and down, don't they? So, uh, and then when somebody, if somebody ever says anything to me, I'm like, oh, I'm really, like, I'm glad you said, like, don't yeah. just keep that in. So then it's probably me having to realize that people will feel, I suppose, the same way towards towards me when I'm talking about it. Uh, do you have anything coming up in the gym? Like, any, um, and yeah, so recently, this summer, we had a big summer. Um, we had a, to raise money for Rock to Recovery, which is a mental health charity for the service men and women. Um, we did 24 workouts in 24 hours, and we raised £10,000, which was... Oh, mate, was yeah. this when you did the, the run, the cycle, and the row? Oh, no, that was last week. Right, right. That was right. a different one, yeah. Right, tell me that one, and then tell me the one you did, because Gordon was telling me about that, and I was like... I wanted to pass out just like yeah. <laughs> so yeah last week we did um, we called it Iron Manor um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we wanted to raise money for Rock to Recovery again um, and me and Charlie the owner we were like what can we do uh, it was his 30th birthday we should just do something to celebrate because he likes to celebrate his birthday right, right. Uh, last year he did 29k run and we thought that was crazy and then this year I said we should do like a little triathlon in the gym we should do a run outside and we should do a, a bike using the assault bike and yeah. then a row um, and he was like yeah yeah we'll, we'll do I, I thought we'd do 10 miles each now it's up to 30 and he was like no we'll do uh, we were drinking at the time <laughs> <laughs> we were drinking at, it was that a night down sense. yeah it was a night down he was like no we'll do 30, 30, 30 and I was like oh 30k okay we'll try that he's like no 30 miles <laughs> so Last year, last Friday, we did a 30-mile run out in London. So, 30-mile run into a 30-mile assault bike into a 30-mile row. Mate, where do you even run to run 30 miles in London? Like, where yeah. do you possibly go? <laughs> so, the night before, um, I left my bags in the gym. So, I, um, I run from my house in Mitcham, run all the way to Vauxhall, and then just did laps then of the, the bridge. It, uh <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit stupid yeah. um, so yeah I started off at 3 o'clock in the morning just got up started running people were coming out of like casinos and whatnot. I was a bit mad oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah it was a strange one uh, yeah 30 mile run um, so I was we, we thought about doing it under 24 hours and then once we started going then we were like oh we can actually do this under 12 hours fucking hell so yeah I managed just over 11 hours to finish it all. How do you recover from that? Were you not dead for a yeah. few days? Um, yeah, last week I was 
Yeah, I got a little bit of tendonitis in my foot, but it's, it's, it's okay now. Um, yeah, just last week I was so drained. So yeah. the big lad Ryan, who's like hundred was he hundred and ten and fifteen kilos? He ran the marathon. He ran a marathon on a uh, yeah. He ran a marathon last week Friday, doing the thirty thirty thirty. Um, yeah, it was three of us all together. It was me, Charlie, and Martin. We all completed it. Um, yeah, it was a tough, tough, tough gig. Fair play. So was that that was your, that was for just marking his birthday? Yeah, that was just Mark because he likes to start the year with something that's really hard so yeah. he knows he can overcome anything. And did you not have a skydive as well? <laughs> yeah, I did a skydive. Are you scared um, of anything? Like, my palms are sweating. Yeah. I thought of a skydive. <laughs> did a skydive uh, oh, two weeks ago. Where did you do it? Uh, back in my hometown, Swansea. And it was a yeah. beautiful day. So, it was yeah, that was incredible. Do you go back to Swansea much? Um, yeah, I try and go back once every... Uh, well, probably once every six weeks, something like that. See my oh, parents. Is it is it far from here? Um, the issue is the the trains and buses are useless. So it's five hours on the bus to Swansea, oh. three hour train. The trains are so expensive. Yeah. And it's like, um, but I, I saw my car, so I don't have a car, so I just uh, catch a bus now. Not five hours. Having a car in no. London is there? No, it's no point. Um, but yeah, we did the twenty four and twenty four. That was raised money for. Calm that we raised 10 grand all we had is 24 people doing 24 workouts in 24 hours right, so right. on the hour we did like a minimum 25 minute workout was that just Gordon DJing at that or something yeah Gordon DJed we had some awesome people did actually. he feel you better have done a workout did he he did uh, yeah he did actually did he <laughs> I don't know, I don't think he did. No, he flipped. I think. Like, Me, he flipped. Yeah. What a fly, man. He's like, oh, I'll just DJ. No, yeah. He was, he was a different man back then, fair play. He had his, he had his drum with him. And, uh, <laughs> and he's um, absolutely solid now, fair play to him for yeah, that. Yeah, he's doing well, awesome. All right, this is, this, is there anything that we've not covered, by the way, that we should have? Have I, have I missed out on anything? Um, no, um, no, yeah, so much like happened in the last year it's just, it's just hard to yeah hard to um, literally I've been up in London a year and I felt that, like so much has happened yeah yeah um, so much change you've come a long way because mm. to be you might even you might realise it yourself you might not but as an outsider to be going down a certain path in life as you were and to be committing yourself so much physically and through so many injuries and sort of adversity to be able to come out the back of that and go straight into something else and to then have such a positive <laughs> impact on other people. Even through this um this chat, like I'm sure it'll resonate with people in mm. in some sense. So thanks very much for, for being open and thanks for, for being a a horrible bastard of a yeah. no, thanks. No, thanks for me. It's good. Um like I'm not, I'm not great at talking about emotion I'm fine with talking about my career and stuff but as soon yeah, as I yeah. attach emotion to it I find it yeah that's probably why I do so much um, like the challenges I got another one now in a few weeks which is 100k and I think because I didn't get what I wanted out of rugby yeah. I, I, I achieved a lot and I'm really proud of my career yeah it should be but I didn't get what I feel as if I wanted out of it mm-hmm. and I think I'm still trying to search for a replacement I suppose even like when you're saying searching for the replacement, but if you look at the positive impact that you've managed to have on people who probably really needed it, yeah, it, it, it makes up for so much. Because all right, you would have, you had and would have had so much joy out of the the sport and doing what you love, like to be able to impact people's lives so positively. 
I would argue is worth mm. even more because it's so long lasting and it has this ripple effect on on others as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am proud of the last year and everything I've learned. I'm trying to give it back because I, I try and give as much uh, free on social media as I can to help yeah, people. Yeah. Um, Where can people find you on social media? Um, yeah, so social media. Um, Ben John PT um, and as well just Manor uh, My Manor London mm-hmm. I'll um, share the links and stuff and um, the as well yeah it'll be awesome yeah just on Instagram really um, most of, um, yeah all my business is from there and if you're in London if you want to come to a gym that will have you functionally fit and will have you feeling mentally great then this really is the place to be coming so definitely have a look you can check the links in the notes and any other relevant information uh, and if you want to chat about anything on flick chat then feel free as well Ben thanks very much mate no, well, thanks ever so much yeah cheers thanks ever so much Tom man